0: The most humble people are the most grateful people, and the most grateful people change the world. The most humble people are the most grateful people, and the most grateful people change the world. When I was in seminary, which was like, you know, such a long time ago because I'm getting so old, I had a classmate who I journeyed with seminary through six years And he was a classmate who, when we were in class, kind of annoyed me. And why he annoyed me was because he really wanted to know everything the church taught. He just wanted to know everything. So when it came time for class, he wasn't afraid to raise his hand and say, I have no clue what you're talking about. Could you please explain that in in a way I can understand? And it annoyed some of us because we wanted to get through the content of a class, but he had a desire to really understand what was being taught. So that by the time he was ordained a priest, which he's now a priest for the Diocese of Joliet, that he could love the Lord with all his mind, in all his heart, in all his soul. And about a year ago, I was able to celebrate Mass with him at his parish and he was challenging his people to know the teachings of the church and know why Mother Church teaches the way she does, because she's 2,000 years old. she's much smarter than you and I are. And he was hitting on the hard issues that our culture struggles with, but the church has never struggled with the truth. The culture does so. And he would challenge his people, say, "Please look deeply at what it means to be a son or a daughter of God." And don't let the culture dictate and tell you what it means for your gender. Go into the deep, difficult issues of why our culture seems to think marriage can be between anybody and not one man and one woman. Because he knew that he was obligated to know the truth. To go through those difficult issues on contraception, on abortion. And not just go through and say, well, the Catholic Church teaches it, so I guess I better obey. But no, to really dig deep and not be afraid to ask questions. So when you hear something, you're like, I don't understand, you're not afraid to raise your hand. And he would go to different professors, and he'd go to different students, seminarians, and ask until he knew and he was convicted of the truth. You know, he kind of reminds me of this character that we have in our gospel reading today. We have a scholar of the law, a lawyer, if you will, and in the Jewish history, there, is, there are 643 Jewish laws, Mosaic laws. And he, he heard about this Jesus figure, that Jesus actually silenced the Sadducees. And there's something compelling about Jesus, and he's intrigued, and he wants to find out what is so amazing about Jesus Christ. And instead of going through law by law by law, he just goes to Jesus and he says, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Which is another way of saying, what in the world do I have to do to get life right? And when our lives are complex, Jesus, the divine physician, heals our minds and he simplifies things. And the first three words out of Jesus' mouth are what we need to do. You, you, shall love. And the problem for a lot of us, my friends, is we have completely watered down the word love. And the more that you and I water down the word love, the more we water down the person of Jesus Christ. And then our world will say that he's boring or he's just a teacher and he has no impact on my life. But Jesus is anything but that. You know, we use the word love for so many different weird things. I love potato chips. I love the Packers. I love my car. I love my house. I love my clothes. But the, the type of love that Jesus is talking about this, when he says, You shall love, he's taking us into the level of sacrificial love, which is agape love, which is love that is totally focused on others and not myself, which is love that is totally focused on others. And not myself. And that means I have to die to self. My ego has to shrink. And as we hear in John 330, he must increase, I must decrease, in order to love. But after he says those three words that you shall love, he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. And that means we have to struggle, like my friend Father John did. In seminary, you know, He asks those questions so his heart could be all in, so his mind could be all in, so his soul could be all in. And notice how Jesus doesn't say, you know, you shall love the Lord your God with part of your mind. So just like be a total cafeteria Christian and just pick and choose what teachings you like and which teachings you don't like and then you can come follow me. And notice how he says, not part of your soul, but your whole soul, your whole being. He wants you to worship with from your head to your toes, to love with everything you have, and also to love with all your heart. Even those areas in your heart and in my heart that we're ashamed of, that we wish we never did—those dark areas—and the Lord says, "Just love me with all your heart." And you and I know we're not stupid. You and I know when somebody is loving us with all their heart. And when they're not, when someone's like, "Oh, oh yeah. Um, so it's so, so like, "What's going on over there?" Yeah? Can you kind of hurry up because, because like, I want to check this Instagram update. That is not loving the Lord with all our heart. The Lord wants us to give us total, give ourselves totally to Him. And then, after we do that, which is like very difficult, but again, as we hear in the scriptures, nothing is impossible, with God. you can do this. You can do it. And then after that, he says the second commandment is like the first. So he uses the word like. Our culture says like all the time. I talk to college students, and I use the word more now than I've ever used the word like, ever. But he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I think the problem for a lot of us is a lot of us just, we just don't love ourselves. I can remember when I was in seminary, when I was confronted with this by this itty-bitty priest named Father Joe Moriarty. He's now the rector at a seminary in Indianapolis. But at the time, he was not. And we're in the line to go to lunch, and he just looks at me, and he said, Son, do you love yourself? And I'm not short on words, but for the first time, I had nothing to say because I never thought about it. And the answer was, after prayer and contemplation, was, no, I did not love myself. So then, who else did I not love? Like, everyone else. Because the second commandment presupposes that I love my neighbor as myself, so if I don't love myself, and I'm not saying being inflated, and I'm, I'm not saying being pompous, I'm saying being humble, and knowing that God loves me, ergo, I should love myself, because he created me. Then I should love others, But if I don't love myself, I can't love others. So, like, what do we need to do this? Like, how do we we love the Lord, our God, with all our heart, soul, and mind? And how do we love our neighbors as ourselves? Because when it's complex, the Lord makes it simple. And I just want to give you a challenge right now to learn how to do that. The two people we need to do that is we need the Blessed Mother. We need Mary. And we need the love which is between the Father and the Son, which is the person of the Holy Spirit. Because without Mary, who shows us how to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and without the Holy Spirit, which is love itself, we cannot do it. You can't. And one of the best decisions I made nine years ago was to consecrate myself to Jesus through Mary. There are these books, they're called 33 Days of Morning Glory. And I want to challenge you to consecrate yourself to Jesus through Mary by doing something that a lot of us have not done yet. By renouncing the spirit of the world. When you get consecrated to Jesus through Mary, which is called Marian consecration, when you do that, You take 33 days to prepare yourself to never be of the world again. And on that day of consecration, after 33 days of prayer and and contemplation and really saying, what does this really mean? You go to confession on the 33rd day. You tell the priest, I'm here to consecrate myself to Jesus through Mary. And then at a mass or a prayer service, you will receive a chain, which is saying you're chained to Jesus through Mary, and you do it on a Marian feast day to consecrate yourself. And the first week of that process of getting ready to receive the chain, to get a miraculous medal, to publicly, publicly proclaim that I am not of this world anymore, to renounce the spirit of the world so I can love, the first week is always the most difficult. I can remember the first time I did this with a group of people And I remember Rock chapter 2. So Rock is a book in the Old Testament, and it's a book about a father writing to his son. And in chapter 2, he says this, My son, when you come to serve the Lord, prepare yourself for trials and tribulations. Prepare yourself for trials and tribulations. Because what you're about to do, the devil does not want you to do. He doesn't want you to know that you actually can love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And he doesn't want you to know that you can actually love yourself and in return love your neighbor. He doesn't want you to know that. And then, every year, for the rest of your life, you're called to re-consecrate yourself to Jesus through Mary. And you get a group of people in, and you form that culture of invitation. Because if we have the good news, my friends, if we have these spiritual practices, then we have to share it with others. It's got to pour out of us into others. So on next week Monday, not this Monday, but next week Monday at 8.15, I'm going to have a meeting to go through what, this, what you're actually getting yourselves into, because I want you to pray and think about it. And then on the 9th, which is the next Monday, following Monday, it begins. And you get the journey with four saints. The first one is St. Louis de Montfort, who came up with this idea. And then you get the journey with John Paul II and Maximilian Kolbe and St. Teresa of Calcutta, and learn from them. Because our world needs you to be humble, and our world needs you to be grateful so you can change it. And the problem is, my friends, a lot of us think that the election is gonna change our world. And our job is not to do that. Our job is to love. The three words were, you shall love. So no matter who wins the election, my friends, our job is not to judge them. Our job is not to gossip about them. Our job is not to fall into despair. Our job is to love them by fasting for them, by praying for them. Because we will know if we have the spirit of of the world upon us, if we've totally bought into all the lies of the evil one, by how we react after the election. And the thing is, my friends, it doesn't matter who's going to win because Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Savior. Jesus is the only one who can save us. So we can't put our trust in politicians to save us. We put our trust in Jesus. And then we pray. And we renounce the spirit of the world. And it looks like something. It sounds like something. And if you were at the Newman Center this past past Thursday on the Feast of John Paul II, you would have seen students praying for 12 hours straight in front of the Blessed Sacrament, praying a patriotic rosy, renouncing the spirit of the world, because it looks pretty unworldly to give up 12 hours in the middle of the night to pray and fast and to offer prayers for each state through the intercession of Mary and praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. With Mary, and with the Holy Spirit, you shall love, and you will love, with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. And if you know that love, then the next thing to do is just to learn how to love yourself, and then to love your neighbor in return. Again, it's not a watered-down love. It's sacrificial love. It's the love that is beautiful, that puts others before ourselves. And our world needs that. Our world needs more people who are humble and who are grateful that change it, that place themselves under the authority of the church, that renounce the spirit of the world and under the mantle of Mary so people can know the love of Jesus. It's pretty simple, my friends. When things get complicated, just ask yourself, what should I do? And the words are, you shall love. And if you don't know what to do, you always go to Mother Mary. And the last words out of her mouth was the words, do whatever he tells you to do. And in our gospel reading today, we hear that. He just says, you shall love. And you can do it. And our world is, needs you to do that. I'm going to have two books available after Mass. If people want to take them, they can take them. But I want to encourage you, if you're not from the Newman Center, get one started at your parish. And be not afraid if it's a small group. Just start somewhere. And then the next year, invite more in, and invite more in. And I can only tell you, this is one of the best decisions I've ever made as a priest. And don't be afraid to ask questions like my friend, Father John. Because it might be a little bit annoying when people ask questions. I get that. But you and I are called to love the Lord with all our heart, mind, and soul. In order to do that, we have to ask questions so that we can fully give ourselves to God who on this altar in just a moment is going to fully give himself to us in the Eucharist. So let's take a moment of silence to pray. Lord, are you calling me to consecrate myself to Jesus through Mary? Am I loving you, Lord, with all my heart, mind, and soul? And am I loving my neighbor as myself? And with Mary and the Holy Spirit, you can indeed do that. And that is the good news today, my friends. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.